Hello. Howdy ho. I'm not making that mistake again. <laughs> Just been recording continuously since the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to download significantly more RAM in the meantime. <laughs> Siri, please play back everything I've said since last Wednesday. <laughs> that would be really boring to listen to. Well, that's why we have editors. <laughs> I can just uh, now imagine Paul sitting there listening to himself reciting three hours of Peppa Pig books. Oh no, it's Paw Patrol. No one wants to listen to Paw Patrol more than once, except Oliver, apparently. (laughs) And every other two-year-old in the world. Well, that's true. He did fall asleep last night to uh, Little Nut Brown Hair. Guess How Much I Love You, and tonight in The Biggest Kiss. Will you stop making children sound adorable? (laughs) Because... The thoughts are still terrifying, okay? <laughs> they are adorable for 0.001% of the time. So I keep telling Dan I can barely be trusted to look after myself, let alone another human life. <laughs> the same could have been said about both Paul and Nathan before they had kids. <laughs> this is very And true. all of our parents. It's a universal truth. If it give you a little, a little glimmer of the reality, I could just deliberately ignore everything you say for the next hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> And continue with my own dogged plans to be Elsa. And then just stop and go, what? (laughs) No thanks. (laughs) Okay, I've got the wiki, I've got the synopsis, I've cried my heart out, let's do this. I don't think I'm ready. Tough. Welcome to this week's episode of Remedial Nerding, the podcast where three nerds force each other to watch something that they really should have already seen. Your friendly neighbourhood nerds this week are Nathan, Dan and me, Paul. Remember, there's no such thing as a bad nerd. Hello and welcome to the final episode of season six of Remedial Nerding, number 22, I think. Bloody hell. It's been a long road. We've finally reached the end game. Joanna's back. Let's do this. Because our listener figures do so much better when we have someone that isn't white, male and middle-aged. <laughs> Firstly, I don't believe you know what our listener numbers are, Dan, because for one thing, I do not believe our listener numbers include you. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Don't be getting all marketing metrics on this call. <laughs> hey, Facebook sends me the metrics. Yeah, but Facebook will lie to you. Even I like more of the Facebook posts than I've listened to episodes. Sorry, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I still haven't watched Iron Man 3. What the, how do you know some of the emotional turmoil that leads into this one? I don't know. That kid at the end could have been anyone. I had to Google who he was. <laughs> that was Iron Man 2. Was it? Maybe I've not seen that. Yeah, whether at the World's Fair... And it's retcon to be Peter Park. No, not that. That's not the kid at the funeral. The kid at the funeral is from Spider-Man 3. He's the his anxiety Man kid. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. anxiety kid. I didn't even spot him in the, the four times I've watched the film. God, even I knew that. He is Tony Stark's anxiety support pet. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice to know that the first bit of the actual film we've talked about is the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. The funeral. I didn't say whose funeral it was. If anyone's listening to these without watching them, then 
they're in one of two categories, which is either operating as intended, never ever going to watch it, you just want to be able to vaguely bluff about it next time you're at a D&D game, or alternatively, you're doing it completely wrong and I love you for it. <laughs> Tony Stark dies in this one. So does half of everyone. Oh, no, they, they undie. Yeah. They are undead? <laughs> no, they're from the past, so they never died in the first place. Except for when they did. Oh, God. Because of, because of that, that rising end to Nathan's statement, I feel we need to extend the series by one more, because the true end cap is the next Spider-Man film. No, no more. I won't allow it. I am with you on this one, Nathan. The whole point of Endgame is it's supposed to underline the first three phases of the MCU. And it does. From the superhero's perspective, I'm talking man on the street. What happened to the people, the ordinary people, after everyone came back? That's why we got a new Spider-Man film. Dan, no one gives a shit about the normal people. (laughs) That could be the 11th season of Remedial Nerding. (laughs) We could pretty much do a series that's entirely (laughs) post-apocalyptic. You'd be doing it forever. I wonder how many different versions of Boarded Up San Francisco we can see. <laughs> I'm sure there's a few episodes I could just relabel, just rename them and put them out again, see if anyone notices that we've already watched Planet of the Apes. Oblivion. Mad Max 1 through 4. Oblivion, I love Oblivion. Me too. But we're not here to talk about Oblivion. No. Oblivion came to mind actually during the course of this film because of its creepy doppelgangers from alternate timelines. So if you are doing this correctly and you're not watching it and you want to know what's going on, it could be narrowed down to rat hits a button, confusion, time heist, everyone comes back, shit gets real. Yeah, you know how they put time travel in the last film? They used it to completely undo all the stakes of the last film. Everything's fine again at the end, except for one per- one of the heroes sacrifices themselves on Calvary because that's the only way we know how to make an emotional ending to a film anymore. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So when I watched this one the first time around this time, I realised this is, this is a film of three halves. Yes. Or more accurately, three acts. No, three halves is accurate. <laughs> <laughs> the first half is cold open and set up. Scott wakes up from the quantum realm and sets everyone up to go on a time heist. The middle half is the time heist. And then the end half is back in the present for one big long punch up. Yeah, act one is boy, it sure sucks that half of everyone got evaporated. Half two is time heist, as previously mentioned. Item three is, turns out the time heist had consequences. Mm. Yeah. Let's resolve them in a big fight in a big hole in the ground. I do love the way that Scott... It's like it's like a time machine, but not a time machine. No, no, no. It's, it's definitely a time it's machine. It's a time machine. I also like the way he actually uses time heist multiple times. I, and how the plan actually becomes known as time heist. I mean, it's on the screens. Yeah. The yeah. presentation is the time heist. Yeah. They're like chapter titles on the Blu-ray are time heist. And he's ran at Tony mid-time heist. You never even wanted a time heist. <laughs> as with most time travel stories, they do have to find a way to keep people hurrying. Mm. <laughs> they do it in this case by only having a certain amount of time travel petrol. Mm-hmm. A limited number of pin particles. Except for when they can just make some more now. Well, they didn't make some more, they stole some more. Well, I assumed that we'd gone straight to the end. I assumed that Cap could go back and put all the stones back because Hank gave him yeah. a shit ton of pin particles. It seems remiss of him that he didn't tell anybody else how to make them. 
To be fair, that has been the storyline of the first two Ant-Man films. I'm not going to tell anyone how to make pin particles. Oh, wait, someone else is making pin particles. I better shut that shit down. And the second one was my pin particle experiment screwed up the life of some kid and now she's phasing in and out of existence because her dad was an arsehole and she thinks I killed him. Oh, wait, pin particles can save the day. Here's the quantum realm. Yeah. Damn those pin particles. I mean, he may have just also brought them back from the 70s. They can't have stolen that many. Well, they didn't need that many. Like, only half a dozen. Oh, I suppose so. One for each stone and one to get back. The bit that bakes the biscuit on this one is that when in, in time... We've completely skipped the beginning. The, the cold open is great and it's emotional, but it's just set up. Time heist is where the story's at, so just, just get into time heist. Skip the first bit. No, you might have a little cry, but it's fine. Well gloss over the fact that you know, Captain Marvel finds the needle in the galactic haystack that is the asphyxiating Tony Stark and saves him. That's beyond the point. When when Nebula is captured during Time Heist and they take her time travel suit and her vial of pin particles, they use the vial of pin particles to shrink down Thanos's Armada and then send her back through time. But she only had enough pin particles for the trip out and the trip back. Where did they get the extra pin particles to shrink the armada? And that's your biggest issue with the plot holes in this film? Yes. Wait, no, no, no. No, I thought about this because I had exactly the same thought when we when I was watching it. But she does something. It's as if you're supposed to assume because she everybody's back and they're like, "Oh, we've got to put the stones in the glove. Oh, we're all distracted." Who's going to do it? And Thor's like, I'm going to do it, but I'm fat and sad, so nobody trusts me. <laughs> I'm going to do it that because sucks. this is a film about regret and I have the most regret. Yeah, and then Hulk's <laughs> like, no, I have the most regret and I'm bigger than you in a muscly way, not a fat way. Hey, we all know Hulk is the strongest Avenger. <laughs> anyway, she goes back to the funky mirror chandelier machine. Yeah, the time machine. Does something. It's a time hole. It's not a time machine. It's a time hole. It's it's a quantum tunneling (laughs) device that allows you to travel through time. It's Stonehenge, as made by Apple. (laughs) All the mirrors. And she she like pulls them through, but I don't know how that's supposed to how how that's supposed to work. Space magic. Space Space magic. magic. We fixed it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in various different time travel stories, there's always different ways that time travel works, and. The logical way is the that was extremely un- unsettling, Paul. Please don't do that. Yeah, don't do that again. I might ever again. <laughs> Paul opened a beer bottle that overflowed slightly, and what followed was distressing. <laughs> so, for the first ninety percent of Flight of the Navigator, the way time travel works is you can go forward, which is basically the same as waiting, and that's it. And that is how time travel actually works. You can wait. And then time passes. Tick follows talk, follows tick, follows talk. But then at the very end of it, they just go, oh yeah, also I guess we'll go back in time. Whatevs. But but did you not see? He used the machine to form a Mobius inverted loop. Mm. And then then factored in the decay of some random particle. And Yeah, yeah and then he took the square of the hypotenuse and that fixed it. Yeah, got his, it. His calculation <laughs> didn't take as long as he still. Did he at any point have to eject the warp core? <laughs> <laughs> did he reverse the polarity of anything? 
Oh, for sure. Because if not, I don't see how it would have worked. <laughs> no, he just did the phase. Oh. Tony didn't, but I'm pretty sure that Dr. Hulk did when they were shunting time through Scott, which was one of my favourite scenes. Yeah, the way the time travel in this seems to work is kind of like Back to the Future in that you get alternate parallel realities every time you go back and bet on horses. But he literally said that it didn't work like Back to the Future, and that whole interaction doesn't make any fucking sense. What, the bit with Rhodey and yeah. Scott saying, yeah. well, all the films have it like this. And Bruce yeah, and he says like, that's not no, how no, it no, works. No. Unless we get to the end when that is how it works. Yeah. yeah. Except it does work like that when they went back to see the, the ancient one who literally said, time runs in a stream and when you fuck it up, there's an alternate branch and you have to go back and fix the alternate branch to return the strip. I do have a question on that, going back to what we were talking about earlier. When Steve went back at the end to unfuck all of that. Oh, God. In theory. In theory, yeah. I didn't see him take, you know, a spaceship with him. So how did he get to Morag, Vormir or Asgard to put any of the bits back there? On Earth, fine. Great questions. Maybe they had the coordinates, the GPS coordinates for those points in space and time. Maybe he had a shrunk down one like they took with them. They took Quill's ship in their pocket. Maybe he went back in time to, to one second before they themselves went forward in time the first, back in time the first time handed the second duplicate Infinity Stone to the person they took it off of, said, here, don't mix these up. One of them's six years older than the other. So what what you're saying is they Bill and Tedded it. But wouldn't that mess up the timeline that they were coming Yes, from? it would. It all would. No <laughs> time. This is no time to talk to me about time. We don't have the time. It took me three shots of something called tequila to find out that he's the one we're looking for. <laughs> so don't go questioning my counselling techniques. But I'm pretty sure this is the Bill and Ted method of time travel. Because you know, I can't remember if it's in the first or the second film when they're having a, a bit of a Barney and they're like, remember to drop the sack. And then all of a sudden, like a heavy sack falls from the rafters of the theatre and smushes some guy. And they look up and it's another copy of them who's gone back in time from their future to drop the sack on the person they were meant to drop the sack on. So the problem when you start talking about time travel like this is the word back ends up doing a lot of forwarding, heavy lifting for both directions through time. We've got to go back. On your own personal time stream. Back to the future. <laughs> yeah, I've gone back to the past and then back to the future. But there's only one person in the whole of media that has addressed this correctly, as Nathan rightly pointed out, and that is Basil Exposition in the second Austin Powers film. <laughs> I suggest you sit back and enjoy the ride. <laughs> I'm prepared to say it doesn't matter too much in the same way that it doesn't matter too much in Fahrenheit 451, if that's actually the title of that book and I haven't forgotten it. That was a good edit. Yeah, I thought so too. Definitely remembered it the first time round. With a caveat that because that's literary magical realism rather than summer blockbuster, there's the possibility that it's all just because that guy got hit on the head really hard. (laughs) But it doesn't matter in the sense that it is not really about time travel, it's about regret. Yeah. Before we step away from time travel to regret and Steve clipping all the branches. Do we think he did clip all the branches? Because, you know, there's a Loki series coming out on Disney Plus soon, and Loki disappeared with the Tesseract during Time Heist when Tony got smashed by the Hulk, while past Tony was having a mild heart attack. Did he stop that Loki from disappearing? You know, he can't have stopped that Loki from disappearing, because he went back in time and put the Tesseract back in the past from that position, Yeah. which means it was there for Loki to go and steal, which then meant it wasn't around for Thanos to vaporise everyone, which meant that never happened. Oh god, I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the point. Disney don't care. At this point, it doesn't matter. Disney do not care. People love Tom Hiddleston in that black wig and they want to see him 
fucking some shit up. So that's what they're going <laughs> to give us. And they're going to be like, don't worry about it. Don't worry. It doesn't matter. Don't worry. He can just he can just jump about. Don't worry about it. Do you think that was literally the pitch meeting? It was like, so you've got Endgame yes. coming up and they're going back in time. We want Tom Hiddleston to fuck shit up and people to pay us lots of money for it. Yes. Cha-ching. Done. Yeah. Here's a game we can play. Who didn't make a reappearance? Vision. Yeah. yeah, that was going to be my first answer. That was Vision got one. it rough because he got just like smacked yeah. with a hammer immediately before the snap and therefore doesn't count. He's in legacy death. Well, yeah, because yeah. that's Which why... Which is no longer supported. That's why Loki, we can only have Loki back from the past because Loki's dead dead. Yeah, yeah, Loki also got stabbed. Original timeline Gamora is dead dead. Yeah. Yeah, but there's now Chief O'Brien timeline Gamora not yeah. kicking around 2019. Poor Quill. Why did she not die when the timelines were clipped? Because she'd already... She'd swayed. She'd changed alliance. <laughs> All right, so alignment Were you not watching the you... film, Dan? Alignment changes protect you from rewriting the course of yeah. future histories. No, that's just what protected her from Tony Snap. When Tony snapped, he said, Right, everyone on Thanos' team, bye. And she wasn't on his team. He only kills the people on the evil end of the alignment grid. <laughs> yeah. Question, did he also kill the polio bacteria, or is it a virus? <laughs> I guess we'll have to find out. You know, I, I wrote down were half of all gut bacteria snapped as well. Cause... <laughs> yes, they were, because they explicitly said half of all living things. Were they the ones inside all the people who were snapped, or has Cap only got <laughs> half of his gut bacteria, and also does he have the shits? <laughs> yeah, is that one of the reasons that the post-snap world is so traumatic is that everyone's on the loo all the time yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's little piles of gut flora just sloshing around on the floors. Without bodies to inhabit. If everyone just dusted. There wasn't little piles of gut goop that just dropped out of each pile of dust. They, they, they just dust away. Does everyone need a faecal transplant from Scott now as the only person that avoided <laughs> the whole thing? The people whose gut bacteria got snapped had to poo out the dust. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what poo is anyway, bacteria dust. <laughs> anyway, this is this is not the way I envisaged this episode going. <laughs> this is Why just not? a defense mechanism because we don't want to actually face the heart-wrenching reality that was this movie. Apart from Vision and first timeline yes. Gamora, who else was not in the film? Odin. That didn't come back. She was in the film. Yeah, but she didn't But she's back. dead. See, there's two different things with this. There's those that weren't brought back by uh, uh, resetting the timeline, by thought by uh, Hulk's snap, and then there's those that did not survive till the end of the film. And I kind of think about those as two different ones. So, yeah, Vision, Loki, did, where he was still alive but didn't come back. He was in flashbacks but didn't really have any lines. Then you've got those that didn't survive the film, which are in one form or another, basically the original Avengers. So Tony has the the Ferric victory, as does Nat, so they're both dead dead. Cap got to go to the Grey Havens. Pretty much, yeah. Kind of weird. Went back in the past and then never spoke to anyone ever again, including his own niece, until he did when he was younger, and that's a bit all a bit weird. Also didn't play the lottery didn't give away any secrets, didn't prevent 9-11. Yeah, all the problems that there are with that. I've been reading about that. I have two theories. One is that he kept a final stash of time travel petrol, which is also multiverse travel petrol, and travelled from his own utopian timeline, where racism was solved in 1947 because <laughs> of the influence of President Captain America. <laughs> 
and he was just popping over to the dark timeline to tell everyone that they should have done better. That still leaves Thor, who's got crippling PTSD and has decided to go and head or go head to head with Quill for the leadership of the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> As Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> so apparently, during the press tour for this film, the Russos and the screenwriter, who I cannot remember the name of or find, oh, Stephen McFeely, which is a great name, were in disagreement about the end of their own film because the Russos said that Cap just lived through the past with his head down, not saying or doing anything, letting everything happen as he knew it should do. But McFeely said, oh, no, no, no. What you said, Nathan, he's he's in... He lives in a different timeline and then he used the last of his Pym particles when he knew that like he'd lived his life to come back to the original timeline to set everything right again and then it, that's the end. But if the bloody writer and directors can't agree, how are we supposed to know what happened? See, I like the fan theory third option where all of Stanley's cameos were meant to be old Steve and Stanley should have been old Captain America in this movie. And all of his cameos were meant to be Captain America just pissing about <laughs> in the timeline. I don't think I don't think I'm the only one who's ever submitted a report, then had back someone review it a week later and say, "Why did you do this insane thing?" And then you've had to come up with a reason afterwards. <laughs> when the true answer is because we had to ship it to theaters in seven days, <laughs> <laughs> and the test audiences hated the Steve just accidentally gets vaporized because we calibrated the time machine wrong. <laughs> I'd only slept for three hours in two months. <laughs> the internet hated our design for Sonic and we had to redo it all. <laughs> oh, they were fine. They'd only done the shots for the trailer. <laughs> right. I'm just going to pick some random bits from the film that I really liked. The whole interaction between Bulk or Hannah, depending on how you want to refer to him. Dr. Hulk. They refer to him as Banner, which seems to be their kind of compromise between weakling Bruce and the Incredible Hulk. He's just in Hulk form all the time now, which was previously the domain of She-Hulk, who is not in this, so not appearing in this film, and possibly doesn't exist in this iteration of the universe. It does say he was based on Professor Hulk from the comic books. Well, I really like their whole, uh, sorry, the whole section with him and the Ancient One, with Tilda Swinton on the rooftop in New York. It's a really interesting discussion, and I really like the way where obviously Tony's quite pissed off the fact that um, Doctor Strange gave away the time stone, and as soon as she hears that, oh, oh, he did that. Mm. Oh, well, they, yeah, there you go. Here you go. You can have it. Yeah. Because even though she'd never met him, she'd obviously used the time stone like he had to look into the future and realized how important it was, and actually, or obviously gone. If Stephen thinks we need to give away the stone, then I'd better give away the stone as well. But even then, that was a hunch, because she'd already established in the first um, Doctor Strange that she could not see beyond the point of her own death. So just having the hunch that Stephen was meant to be the best of them and he must have had a good reason was still just a shot in the dark gamble. I mean, it was all just a shot in the dark gamble. I also think they could have picked a bigger number than 14 million. (laughs) Uh, You know, all of the possible quantum outcomes or something. 14 million is not really that many options. Maybe he just got bored and he's like, do you know what? I've only found one. That's, that's Statistically, that's enough. <laughs> I've seen one. That'll do. We'll just go with that one. The, the, next, the next one along may have been, you know, Tony has the glove, he's defeated Thanos, and all he had to do was, you no know, give a little change to his nano suit and he would have been fine. 
<laughs> but Steve never saw that one. I mean, he's got an infinite space to sample. He didn't have a lot of time. I guess you can reduce it to countable infinity by cutting, setting an upper time limit. Like, you're not really interested in the heat death of the universe. I mean, you say he didn't have much time, but he also had a stone that could you know, <laughs> rewind time, thereby giving him infinite time, up until the point that he went mad. We've gone into some weird existential scientific thought experiment that are, Ground, is going over my day. head. Yeah. A text I sent you guys during the course of the film was, so far no one has said, I'm you from the future and it's bullshit. <laughs> and then a couple of seconds later, there's a fight between the, the nebulas. The nebulae? The nebulae. Evil past nebula and slightly less evil future nebula. She's not evil, she's misunderstood. I really like nebula. Karen Gillan kills it. She is so good. Nebula's arc across all the films is probably my favourite of any of the characters. It's one of the most compelling. Well, it's also got the most dramatic illustration of the theme of regret in that future Nebula shoots past Nebula in the chest. Oh, yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to shoot that past self for being a dick? (laughs) Yeah, I wrote that down somewhere. In my pages and pages and pages of notes. Yeah, in terms of tropes, that did also give the give someone the opportunity to not know which identical twin to shoot. Yeah, <laughs> resolved in the simplest way possible. And Good Nebula had like a withered hand from when she put it in the thing to get the orb out. Yes. So they were actually quite different. It had burninated all the flesh off her cyborg fingers. Yeah. Speaking of speaking about your notes, Joanne, I have a single half page of A five notes. At the very top, it just says pin particles. And it says, gut-wrenching cold open, Hawkeye's family, gut-wrenching Tony final confessions to Pepper, I'm not ready for this shit. <laughs> and then I start taking notes. <laughs> I take your podcast a lot more seriously than you do, because I have <laughs> six pages of notes here, which are colour-coded, there's a key and everything. <laughs> um, Holy shit. I wrote down every single scene location. So it's like Clint's farm, Quill's ship, bathroom outside Avengers HQ, inside Avengers HQ, space, the garden, five years later, montage, self-help groups, San Francisco storage unit, HQ, Tony's house, dinner, Tony's house, HQ, (laughs) etc. Do you remember when we were this enthusiastic about our note-taking before we (laughs) rapidly realised, I just watched some stuff? I have never made any notes for any episode of anything we've watched on this podcast. (laughs) Good lord. If I don't remember it, it wasn't worth remembering. So when did you first cry? Um, It may have been Tony Stark slowly suffocating after recording to Pepper Potts. And then there was very rapid sobs and breakdowns throughout. You had a rough time then, because that is right at the start. One of the yeah. o- the first cold open is, oh hey, it's the Rapture, only bad, or I guess worse than normal. <laughs> and uh, Clint's going to go and have his own film in between now and the middle of Act Two when we meet him again. His own film franchise, in fact. Mm. That's when I usually start crying. But also, turns out Tony's in space, and they've only got enough granola and oxygen for twenty five minutes left. I think. It started to ramp up and get really bad with Natasha's conference call in the five years later. And then Tony's realisation that he was going to put everything on the line, including his new daughter, by going back in time. That that wasn't that wasn't fun. Um, yeah, and it, it went really far downhill. 
and then I think it peaked with the return of Spider-Man and impromptu Stark hugging and the, oh, this is really nice. And... I got all dusty. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember when we were in space? Activate instant kill mode. (laughs) That was brilliant. So yeah, and then random emotional outburst and sobs when Cap caught the hammer because even though I knew it was coming, it was still quite emotional. Yeah. So the only emotion I felt at that point was one of, yes, finally. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah like, I feel that, that, was, that was an elation and a high point that kind of brought everything back up. Thor talking to his mum, that destroyed yeah. me. And then getting Mornia back and was being like, I am still worthy. Yeah, no, that's... I have deep-seated parental issues being the oldest child and constantly feeling like a failure so you know that really spoke to me (laughs) so the only bit that did for me was the very end bit well the very very end bit when pepper says to tony you can rest now and he goes yeah cheers love and pops his clogs (laughs) that makes me well up the the just before that peter Mm. trying to not wanting him to go that was just heart-wrenching, and then Pepper just telling him that he can actually finally rest his job done. I mean, I do love the bit where Tony's just about to click his fingers, when Thanos says, I am inevitable, and Tony doesn't say hi, inevitable, I'm dad, which he really <laughs> should have done. And he just reiterates that, I am Iron Man. That that scene was a last-minute um, reshoot. They'd gone all the way through editing and got to the end and realised they needed something, and they needed to talk Brought Danny Jr. into doing it because he didn't want to get back to the emotional place he was in at the end of the film just to reshoot that. It took some real convincing. I'm fucking glad they did. Yeah, Yeah. it was such a payoff. Do you remember in The Princess Bride at some point? I don't remember the exact quote. I was trying to Google it. I've never seen it. Well, put it on the list for season seven then. That's definitely going on season seven. I will watch a feature length thing if it is The Princess Bride. I've seen that one. (laughs) <laughs> Only within the last three months, but I've seen it. Bad Dan. Ban. Anyway, Nathan. Uh, yeah, the frame narrative of that is that it's someone reading a story to their grandkid. Mm-hmm. And there's a cutaway at some point where he says something like, don't worry, it turns out fine. <laughs> and the kid says, why do you tell me that? And he said, well, you seemed concerned. I just didn't want you to have any dramatic tension. <laughs> For me, that scene happened in the MCU Shortly after Vision got killed, he says, oh, don't worry, we'll just turn time back a bit and bring him back to life. We can do that. (laughs) There's no stakes anymore. Time travel. (laughs) It will take another eight hours for this franchise to end. (laughs) That said, there were three points that I was somewhat affected by. Two have already been mentioned. Nebula shooting herself in the ultimate act of that's... We're not the same person, even though we are exactly the same person. Thor's mum saying, please don't tell me I'm about to die. This was fine. I can tell that you're in your own personal afterlife and this was a gift. <laughs> the future's been rough. Yeah, she's also a god and can possibly see the future. So let's, let's not interrogate that any further. And the other one, which was briefly touched on, Clint and Natasha get to the top of Mount Red Skull and say, right, one of us has got to be sacrificed because of the space magic. And then they have a, an awkward slap fight over who's going to throw themselves off a cliff. Making it extremely different from when Thanos was there is like, oh, I've got to sacrifice someone. Okay, over you go. (laughs) I'm really upset by the fact that I'm killing my daughter. But I'm not going to hesitate even slightly. Not even for a moment. 
Uh, high points. Uh, love you 3,000. She loves me 3,000. You're in the high 700s. <laughs> when Peter is hiding under the rock, clutching the gauntlet, and um, Captain Marvel touches down, and he's like, Hi, I'm Peter Parker. And she's like, Hi, Peter. <laughs> it's just like a casual meeting at a bar. And he looks over his shoulder and goes, Yeah, but I don't know how you're getting through there. Yeah, they had to do it. There's this period during the big fight in the hole where they have to do keep away with the super weapon. And uh, yeah, a point I really appreciated is that Team Good Guys feel absolutely uh, no hesitation in handing off this infinity weapon to each other. Mm. Yeah, the, the glove only seems to work if you have your hand in it. Yeah, holding it doesn't work. Unlike Roman's hammer, which seemed to work as soon as he touched it, back from Guardians 1. Mm. Well, no, don't they break it before it does anything? kind of address that no because they don't break it they just take it out of the pod that the oh, yeah. woman on nowhere does but thanos does that when my favorite bit of the fight where everyone else has got a bit fucked up and captain marvel comes down and gets her ear all up in thanos's grill when he's got the glove on uh, and he decides to headbutt her and she doesn't even move like move <laughs> like her hair doesn't move she's just got that that awry grin so he just rips the power stone off the uh, infinity gauntlet and then goes uh Harduken and fires her across the battlefield, so he has to take it off the gauntlet to activate the power of just that stone. Also, why didn't uh, Captain Marvel just click her fingers? No, I mean she's made from the power of the Tesseract anyway, so the rest of it's got to be somewhere similar. She dissolved one sixth of Thanos. <laughs> so there's one bit I remember from the fight scene, from watching it in the cinema. I was like, oh, that's a little bit, that's a little bit gratuitous. And actually, watching it again, I didn't find it quite as bad. But I mean. Not bad, but it's the bit that I described to you guys as a team girl squad, where they just have Peter surrounded by every single oh. female character. It's like, look, look, we've got the women. They're powerful too. Look, look. this is feminism. Feminism. Oh, it makes me really angry. <laughs> Go on, Joanne. I know you've got at least three bits of this film that make you quite angry. This is why we invite you to these. Okay, these are all in, in my key. They're highlighted as serious thoughts. <laughs> they were pink for feminism. <laughs> the first one we come to is Carol's gay haircut. Fuck her gay haircut. Oh yeah, she's got a new haircut and it's extremely gay. And Rocket does point it out. Not as being gay, but that she has a new haircut. Yeah. And then just in general, the treatment of women in this film kind of sucks. The first thing that really annoys me is how everyone reacts after Natasha's died. We have, like... I don't know, a five-minute scene of the men being really sad. And then Hulk throws a bench real far and we're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, the boys are going to fix it. I don't like that. See, I took that to be residual feelings from when Nat and Banner had their romance. I think that's what they thought it was, but they'd just forgotten that romance. It disappeared after, what, Age of Ultron? It just disappeared. I mean... After Age of Ultron, you know, the Hulk did disappear off in the Quinjet and live in an alternate dimension for a while. So for Banner, it had been quite a while. Yeah. It just it just bugs me that it's supposed to be this big emotional moment where the boys are all like, we've got to make it right for the girls. It's like, fuck off. 
But I, I, I didn't take it like they had to make it right for the girls. They wanted to not let Natasha's sacrifice be in vain. I feel they probably would have been the same if it had been Hawkeye that had thrown himself off the cliff successfully. I know. I know they would have. And, and just the, the impotence that they couldn't do anything. Yeah. It was just the frustration. Yeah. Uh, also, I think uh, Danvers' haircut is uh, comic book canon from, like, the early 90s. Yeah, because in the comic book, she's gay. Just make her fucking gay. Like, it solves... You can cut her hair off if you also say, by the way, I'm gay. Yeah, my girlfriend did it. No, the only people in the film that are allowed to be openly gay is director. Oh, I'm going to get to that bit. (laughs) (laughs) So then we have Lady Team Up, which is just fucking bullshit. Why do they all end up in the same place at the same time, saving the child? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why do the women have to save the little boy? I mean, Cap had previously just saved him with the hammer. Yes, but he didn't save him at the same time as Tony and Rudy and Thor and <laughs> yeah. Banner and everyone else. Everyone else with a Y chromosome. You can explain away all of these things that piss me off. But the problem is, is that they all exist at once and have existed in all films forever. Right? <laughs> so like like you said in Captain Marvel, oh but they you, you don't want to make her gay because it's a stereotype and blah blah like you're right, but at the position that society is in, shit representation is better than no representation. And therefore I think crappy feminist representation, I don't think that's the right word, but showing women in what they think is a positive way. It, that's the shit way we've been doing it for years. Do better. Write women better. Don't just have them sacrifice themselves and protect the children. It's bullshit. <laughs> and make them gay. I'm not asking for a lot. Yeah. So that's half of my grievances with this film. Was, was, I say, was that still the second or the third point? That was like the first real point after the haircut. My grievance for the post-Natasha's death, Lakeside Sad Times was someone said, just for a second, but why is she dead forever? And they say, shut up, it's space magic. That's not the point of this film. <laughs> Moving on. I mean, if they returned the Soul Stone to be f- just after Nat died, could they not have traded it back for her? We're, we're getting into the but what ifs again, and they are endless on this film. <laughs> what does it all mean, Basil? <laughs> Whoop-de-doo, Basil. Oh God, what else was I angry about? While you find your, your more angry notes, touching callback... After the funeral, Happy and young Morgan sat on the bench and he's like, what do you want? Are you hungry? And she's like, yeah, I want a cheeseburger. And it's like, your dad liked cheeseburgers. And it's like, this is how the Starks deal with their shit. They get home from a trauma and they have a cheeseburger. cheeseburger? Get shrapnel in your heart. Can has cheeseburger? <laughs> Sorry, you, you were coming back to ranty point. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'd try not to rant this time. But what's your third and final ranty point? Oh no, there's two more, there's two more. No, no, what's your third and final ranty point? (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't pick one that's more important. (laughs) (sighs) First ever MCU character who is gay. That was bullshit. Do you even know who it was? Doesn't have a name. No, it didn't, what? Who is the openly gay character in this movie? Not very open, I would guess, on account of I have absolutely no idea. Was it the rock guy whose name escaped? Korg. Korg. My name is Korg. As you can see, I'm made of rocks. 
No, it's not Korg. What I was going to say, was he gay with Meek? Is it Meek? Oh, if only. I mean, I'd fucking love it if it was, but no, it's not. Is it, is it Valkyrie? Oh, no, but it should be. The whole bit with the self-help classes that Cap is running and the guys oh. there oh, talking yeah. about his date, he cried at the salads and yep. that's yeah. about as much as you get. Some dude who's in a, a support group on account of the world sucks because half of everyone's dead. Yes. Yeah, it turns out it makes dating hard mm-hmm. if everyone's got PTSD. And who played that character? Don't know. I, I don't know. Director Anthony Russo. Ah. Or possibly Joe Russo. Who gives a shit? I don't care which is which. And why? <laughs> why did this straight man feel it was his place? Because it was so important. He couldn't possibly leave it to another actor. <laughs> Fuck off. I'd rather it have not been in there. I also think this is actually not just the first openly gay character in the MCU. I think this is Disney's first openly gay character. Because there have been yeah. lots of veiled ones, particularly particularly Lethu in the re- in the live action remake of he's uh. nothing is ever explicitly stated. It's it, he obviously is, and it's massively implied. It's I mean, there is that stated. whole conversation with the wardrobe about you know Gaston not actually being good enough for Lefou, and he deserves someone better. I took that as you know Lefou is straight up opening up to the wardrobe. Could just have been talking about being friends. <laughs> this is a whole a whole thing. It's a whole another episode of the podcast. I know I could talk about this for hours. There's such a thing these days with directors and producers and whatever telling you before you see a movie there's going to be some gay stuff prepare yourself gays get ready for the gay it's going to be so gay and then sulu's daughter is brought to him by another man who could be his brother or maybe a friend but we were supposed to know it was his husband and then there's going to be an exclusively gay moment in beauty and the beast and two men dance together for half a second and then Oh my god, first gay character in the MCU. Oh, unnamed man played by the director. Great. I don't know who's seen Star Wars, but they did it again. (laughs) Is this better or worse than retroactively naming some character who never had any romantic relationships and saying, oh yeah, FYI, Dumbledore? It's so well-intentioned, isn't it? I think it is well-intentioned, but it does more harm than good. I'm not sure it does more harm than good, but it definitely does like 0.1% of what they think it's doing. Mm. I don't think it does anything. I'm going to lose 1.3 billion potential listeners here. Well, maybe a few more than that. The main reason they do it is because it will not sell in China and Russia or a lot of other countries if there's too much openly gay stuff in it. Just like Beauty and the Beast just about to make that point. Beauty and the Beast was pulled from some cinemas in America. The only gay bit in The Rise of Skywalker was two people kissing in the background and they cut that scene in Singapore so it didn't get an R rating. Mm-hmm. And that is more harmful than good because you're just perpetuating the fact that that's okay. If Disney are going to do it, they at least need to say you can't Commit cut it, it out. Disney is a company set up to make profit and they want to make profit, which means they need to sell it in as many places as possible. Yeah, it's not going to change, but it's fucking annoying. But that is why things like podcasts and the McElboys do it very well. Critical Role does it very well. They're not after that kind of audience, so they don't have to pander to anyone like that. They can include all of the elements like that that they want. And a lot of them do, and are, are really good for it. And they do it in the right kind of way. And I think television is 
getting better and better there is a lot of there's a lot of television made by queer creators with queer characters in but a lot of it gets cancelled because it doesn't have high enough audience rates but equally there's there's so much shit on Netflix that surely nobody's watching the same amount of as they are The Witcher or whatever the big thing of the moment is and yet things like Sense8 get cancelled and One Day at a Time get cancelled stories that revolve around queer stories they're the first to go and movies doing things like this just perpetuate that because they get away with it no, I do feel that, that it will get better and now is that with, the, with like Netflix and Amazon moving forward in creating their own content and not necessarily complying with the, the old TV viewerships I can still see why a lot of the networks are still a bit gun shy about it because a lot of the people that watch traditional TV are, <laughs> are very traditional yeah and are still in that oh that's a bit fruity no it's just two people with their lip skin touching they're having a hug oh my god really yeah it, it takes time for these changes to come through tv is still a very young medium film is a very young medium there's been a lot of changes in a short amount of time and it will get better but there is that bit of no is no representation better than shit representation no not really you don't want to be used as a stereotype but yeah having a character that's in there that some stereotypes exist because people are like that or some people exist because they want to be like a stereotype but at the same time people are people and let that person love the person that the, you're saying this character's gonna love so the key thing i've taken from that is uh your the your lip skin it's like are our lips skin apparently they are but they've only got five layers as opposed to like skin skin which has 16 layers oh, where does lip skin stop and become mouth flesh mouth flesh the mucous membrane yeah ah your mouth flesh is burst with your lip skin <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I haven't said anything in a while. I've just been busy updating this chart I keep of all the set words I wish you'd stop saying. <laughs> I had to step away several times to flip that up. I think last thing I caught was mouth flesh. <laughs> ah, they have the taste of man flesh. Some of the things on this Google page is, are there nerves in lips? Yes. Yep. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. We all just bit our lip to check. <laughs> Have you ever tried drinking a glass of water after an anaesthetic? It's fucking weird. That's what drinking without any nerves in your lips would be like. But would it? Because you wouldn't notice the difference. And if you didn't notice the difference, would it be weird? What? <laughs> That's a bit of an existential crisis. For We've been talking about Endgame for nearly an hour now, I don't <laughs> Do not have the cognitive capacity. I feel like Dan is permanently like two or three levels more stoned than the average person. <laughs> this is progression from 20 years ago when we first kind of met him, when he was two or three drinks ahead of everyone else all the time, even when stone cold sober. I have been working from home all day, I've been on my own, and this is the largest amount of social interaction I've had today. Even my wife got annoyed with me watching MasterChef and told me to go away. <laughs> What you're saying is you spent too much time in your pyjamas with your hand down your pants. Yes. Okay, can we talk about <laughs> Thor? <laughs> Thor Lebowski. Mm. The dude abides. I don't like that either. Nathan, what were you calling him? My two consecutive texts were Thor is adorable and then Thorbs. 
Thorbs. Totes of Thorbs. Yeah, because it's not Ab Thorbs anymore. It's not Ab Thorbs. They're still there, they're just cushioned. Yeah, I, I previously joked that Asgard was going to be in Canada from now on, but it turns out it's actually in Cornwall. <laughs> yeah. From what I can tell. That's what I said it looked like. I mean, I think it was maybe supposed to be Norway, but yeah. the only thing to tell definitively would be if it had a Cornish tin mine in the background. Mm. Otherwise, you just have to judge based on how chunky their cable knit sweaters are. Mm. Plus, the place name next to New Asgard was very much uh, in the Scandinavian style. It could have been Cornish for all we know. <laughs> what was there, no with a slash through it or something? I, I did like uh, Drunken Gamer Thor. No. Shouting abuse at 12-year-olds over the internet, <laughs> bitching that he had no service on his TV. And then during the presentation, he was giving about his time stone, which isn't a time stone. Somebody needs to fix that. It's more like a red mist fog thing. That was then very much a stone when they put it into the, the gauntlet. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Compressed back into a stone of its own free will, apparently. Oh, Tonsberg is a village in Norway. Yeah, just look Cornish. Was it filmed in Cornwall? The fact that he just goes on a, a long rant about his ex and just ends up being led away slowly by Tony. I think still my favourite part of that entire sequence was him just putting drops into his one good eye. Yeah. I mean, that's continuity. Thor, he's calling me a dick again. <laughs> Noob Master 69. <laughs> All right, I have discovered where New Asgard was actually filmed. Mm-hmm. Cornwall? And the answer is St. Ab's Head, between Eymouth and Dunbar. Your end of the world. Yeah, it's, well, I say that, it's like two and a half hours, but... <laughs> yeah, your end of the world. <laughs> so, in in the MCU, Tonsberg, where New Asgard is, is also where the Battle of Tonsberg was between the Asgardians and the Frost Giants at the beginning of the Dark World. Oh. Ah. In fact, no, that's not even the Dark World, that's the beginning of Thor, Thor. Just, Thor. Just Thor, Thor, Thor. Thor. This is from the fandom.com wiki about the uh, MCU. Yeah. And we all know that the MCU fans are more consistent with picking out continuity than the MCU writers are themselves at times. <laughs> <laughs> In uh, the process of Googling where that those new Asgard scenes were shot, I've been reminded that old Asgard in this film is uh, filmed in like a quarter mile from my house. Mm. Oh, really? Oh, Durham yes. Cathedral. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because it's got it's a a medieval cathedral that's unusually wide and therefore got lots of room to move the cameras around in, and also the the like Norman stonemason who got to do the pillars was apparently a bit of a weirdo and did lots of weird geometric designs, different one on every pillar, yeah, mm. giving it a nice space palace feel. So Fat Thor is my last grievance, <laughs> right? How can you not like Fat Thor? Ah. I don't not like Fat Thor. I think Chris Hemsworth does an incredible job. He's funny. It's moving. He does being sad very, very well. I don't like the treatment of Fat Thor and that it's played for a joke. Because why is it funny? Why is it funny? It's not funny when Tony gets back from space and kicks off with anger. Because that's how he's expressing his regret and his trauma. I mean, I don't know. We, we all laughed at him dancing in the Iron Man suit at his party and taking a leak in it. Joanne hasn't seen that. Is that one you haven't seen? I haven't seen, seen that, no. That's <laughs> Iron Man 3. Not seen it. <laughs> I think the bigger thing is the way they play that. So Rocket takes the piss out of him for being fat. Yeah. Repeatedly. 
that's very Rocket. Because mm-hmm. Rocket is a dick. Yeah. So, and it, Rocket would be the first person to admit that before calling you a twat and telling you to fuck off. What I don't get with that is Rhodey. Mm-hmm. That's quite out of character for Rhodey. Yeah. And also Thor's own mother. After, I just feel like when she she gives the beautiful talk about basically telling him to just be himself and don't try and fit the role that he thinks the world needs him to be and he realises he's still worthy because Mjolnir will come to him. And then she's like, eat a salad. I think that cheapens <laughs> it. I And I laughed the first time I saw it and then the more I've thought about it, the more I think, again, that's just damaging. It's not... when. When everybody else expresses their trauma, they're comforted by someone. Rocket and Nebula hold hands at one point. Tony's comforted by Pepper and by Rhodey. They all have their emotional talk around the lake after Nat's died. But when Thor tries to cover up his sadness with comedy and stupidity, they're just like, what the fuck is he doing? Oh my god, make fun of him for getting fat. No one can. No one gives Thor what he needs. Because he's dealing with just as much trauma as the rest of them. And I think that's fat-phobic and not helpful. Aha, I beat you! All, all very good points well made. Thank you. I win. <laughs> One last thing I would like to touch on is the sheer amount of money this made, despite its flaws in logic and inclusion. But what do you expect? It had two guys called Benedict in it. <laughs> yeah, but so did Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, and it's had far too many guys called Steve. I was like, who was the second Benedict, Benedict? Cumberbatch and Benedict Wong? Yeah. yeah, Benedict Wong, who plays Wong. He's great. I love him. We we've not mentioned Doctor Strange. He turns up at one point, and say, "Hurrah, I'm back from the Shadow Realm." This hope, hopefully, we're still on the one in fourteen million. Oh, hang on a minute. I've got to go and concentrate on my control water spell. <laughs> I, I, the one line that I did like between Doctor Strange and Wong was when they've all come through the holes that they've just magically opened up, and he looks at me and goes, "Is this everyone?" And Wong looks at me and goes, "What? You wanted more?" <laughs> <laughs> all right. My favorite point of the big fight scene at the end is that they do actually finally use the line that got teased and then cut off with the end of the credits back along, which is "Avengers Assemble." Yeah. That yeah, but he the, does it when referring to thing. an army of like six million people or something. <laughs> he said the thing to all the Avengers. Yeah, everyone's an Avenger. How well did that work for non-UK audiences? Because the film in for the non-UK audiences was the Avengers, whereas for us it was Avengers Assemble. Mm. Did that work better for us, or did that work better for other audiences? It is a callback because he has he did say it in Avengers, and it's a big thing in the comics, isn't it? Like it's. People know the phrase, even if they don't know why they know it. Yeah, in keeping with the theme of this podcast from its inception, it's filtered into the general consciousness without necessarily being rooted to where you learned it. Yeah. I mean, you didn't pick it up from uh, Ron Burgundy when he was shouting, News Team Assemble. (laughs) Nathan has a blank look on his face now. We've already established that Nathan hasn't watched Anchorman. Neither have I. No, and I'm still vaguely confused about whether Ron Burgundy's a real person or a poor neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> or neither of those things, as I suspect is the truth. At this point, I, I, I think it's the same situation with Robert Downey Jr. actually being Tony Stark. I wonder if what if Paul Rudd actually is Ant-Man in Anchorman. <laughs> <laughs> that would make it a very different film. 
I'll tell you what we haven't spoken about since we skipped straight to Time Heist, and that is the opening section, the, the mid part of the, the first half, which is actually the first third, where they find out exactly where Thanos is, go down to his planet, oh, and yeah. kill him really quickly. <laughs> Yeah, I was literally sat here thinking, "What's he talking about?" I don't remember this bit. <laughs> oh yeah, they do. do well, that. they're kind of questioning him and realise that he's just destroyed the Infinity Stones, and they're trying to find out. And Thor just chops his head off. Yeah, he goes. Oh, there's nothing you can do unless you invent a time machine, which is obviously impossible. Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> and I, th- I think that goes back to like Thor's major problems down the line. In that, like, he turns up and first thing he does is cut Thanos' arm off so he can't snap his fingers. And then realizes yeah. he's far too late and decapitates him because he did what Thanos told him he should have done and gone for the head. Mm, now I'm really sad for Fat Four. Right? He's treated appallingly. And I think he's going through the worst time. There's all this stuff made of Bruce feeling like it's his fault, but I think Thor has the most guilt Thor about has some Infinity major guilt, War. Because he, he, he could have stopped it. Yeah, yeah I think had the two shot. ends of the spectrum here are Thor. Arthur, who has the maximum regret, and also Tony, who's kind of fine with the new world order. Mm. Yeah, Tony has found his peace. Because he's he's effectively done what he's always told people to do, moved on with life. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of like Tony gets to go to the Grey Havens before the second snap, and Cap gets to go afterwards. Like, Tony's had his little slice of life, and so he could go happily. I'm so ready for something different. (laughs) No offence, I've enjoyed these films, I understand why they made $12 billion or whatever the hell it was. I'm ready for something else now. Yeah. I love these films. I will watch them again with Oliver in a few years' time. I do not expect to ever watch Endgame again. I might just go back and watch Endgame again every time I need a good cry. I've watched it a few, a good few times already. It's great for a good cry. There are plenty of other films that are not three hours long if you want a good cry. Marley and Me... Name is yeah, that, that's just at the end. No, this is good emotional porn all the way through. Yeah, but only because it builds on the other twenty, yeah, or twenty or twenty-one films beforehand. Yeah, but they're already in your brain. Yeah, it, you don't need to rewatch them every time because you're like, yeah, I know all of that stuff. I'll just watch the crying bits. Like if you just want to watch one for fun, you watch Ragnarok. Yeah, she's not wrong. Rarely am. I I know a really cool thing about the battle scene. Go on then. Did anybody notice Howard the Duck? No. <laughs> I just not while well watching laugh. it, but I had previously seen a, a screen cap oh, and didn't entirely know if it was true or not. No, I've but he's not. been in a couple of previous ones. So he was in Guardians of the Galaxy in one of the glass cases. In the, yeah, the speaking yeah, role. In he that, was in he? the post-credit scene. Didn't was Seth Rogen do the voice? I think. But I watched a, a YouTube video with two. VFX artists that were talking to one of the top guys at Weta who worked on a lot of the Thanos stuff and the end battle and they he pointed out how duck and you could just see him really little and they they were just yeah. given a random model of him and just like shove him in somewhere and they just stuck on a massive ravager gun and he's just like strolling along through one of the slingering yeah. portals it comes through after the wasp. Yeah, just before the um, Avengers Assemble line. Yeah. Was it from that battle when Captain America is dishing out the game plan and Ant-Man and the Wasp are like stood next to him and she actually says, okay, Cap, 
well, you got it, Cap. And Scott just gives her this little grin, and she gives him a, not right now. Yeah. <laughs> Howard the Duck, man. Another visual effects thing that I thought of, you know when he's Cap's being battered and his shield's disintegrating? That shot is in the tr- was in the trailers, but his shield was whole. When you watch the extra bits, they they built the broken shield, right? So some poor artist had to go back in <laughs> frame by frame and rebuild that shield for the just for the shot in the trailer to avoid all the spoilers. I mean, that poor human. I'd imagine he got compensated for his time fairly well. Yeah, but still, that's got to be a sucky job. Other, like, your workmates next door are doing the explosions and they're sticking Howard the Duck in and making sling rings and doing cool water simulations and awesome space stuff and he's just rebuilding a shield. That's why you get the intern to do it. Or they just, you know, got Cap to record that scene twice. I doubt that anyone on set thought of that. <laughs> it does bring me round to if Sha- if Cap's shield got shattered, where did he get the shield to give to? No, no more what ifs, no more how dids. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one more. Qu- I have one more question for you all. Did, did Bucky know Cap was going away? Now that yes. we have reached the end of our journey, <laughs> the end of our journey. Favorite film. Worst film. Oh, now that we actually have watched them all, apart from you, Joanne. I kind of really want to say Endgame as a favourite. And as much as I, I enjoy Dark World for its sticking to its classical thorness and being quite standout for that reason in the, the, cat- the catalogue of the MCU movies, when you stand it beside the rest of them, it's not the greatest. Ragnarok best. Dark World, worst. Simples. I'm going to say Black Panther, best. Iron Man 2, I don't really remember what was in it, so I'm going to say that's my least (laughs) favourite. Doctor Strange is my favourite in the alternate universe where it's not part of the MCU, and it's a film that only I and a couple of thousand other people have seen, and I'm constantly (laughs) telling everyone they should go and watch it. (laughs) Iron Man 2 is with Bird. Where is my Bird? Where is is my Bird? Where is my Bird? It's PTSD, Tony, isn't it? Because Iron Man 3 is uh, Extremis. Iron Man 3 is PTSD, Tony. Hmm. Iron Man 2 is crazy Ivan Vanko hammer. The three that I want to watch again, and I'm not sure which will come out being my favourite, are Black Panther, Current Leader, Captain Marvel, and Winter Soldier. You did enjoy Winter Soldier. I mean, it is a good film. It is a very good film. The thing with this is, there's lots of very good films. Even the worst film is... All right. Yeah, I can't answer this question. I'm looking at the list going back and forth like, oh yeah, that one's definitely my favourite. Oh, but oh, but what about Ragnarok? Oh yeah, but also Captain Marvel. And then, oh, what about Guardians? Oh, oh. I guess Iron Man 3 is my least favourite because it's the only one I haven't seen and don't really have any inclination to watch. You should. It's really good. <sighs> Iron Man 3 was the early season benchmark that which we yeah, allocated everything else against i know until the winter soldier came along and messed everyone's rankings up <laughs> i just feel like i'll be so confused if i go back now that is a possibility yeah but my life is simpler not seeing it and i've got so many other franchises to catch up on 
there are so many other franchises, so many other seasons of Remedial Nerding, one might almost say. <laughs> so, what are we watching next week? Nothing! Next season, it's the DC Cinematic Universe. Oh, no, bloody hell. <laughs> no, My Little Pony not. Friendship is Magic. I don't think I've ever seen any of that. Well, that's exactly why we should need to watch it. I'm going to sleep for six months. <laughs> yeah, let's all go to sleep instead. Well, guess until next time. Love you 3000. Oh, I was going to say it. That's it for this week, peeps. Tune in next time for more remedial nerding.